as Valentine's Day is approaching, we're going to speak on love. And let me begin by asking you a, a question. Um, what do you think love is? Um, what, does, what does someone mean when they say, I love you? Many of us are familiar with, with love, but so often we tend to love in the abstract, meaning that our love exists only in thought or idea. It doesn't have a physical or concrete existence. We, we, we love, but when it comes right down to it, we don't want to get too close. In the words of the Apostle John, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. First John 3.18 So, what is love? Is love the type of love that expresses or shows how much we may love other things, such as sports or activities? For instance, I love football. I love basketball. And by the way, totally unrelated, did anyone see the game last night at Duke UNC? I don't know the exact score, you know, it's 98, 96, Duke won, I'm a big Duke fan, but I don't know the, the exact score, I don't, I don't know why, why. okay. Uh, so I love soccer as well, I love watching Netflix, Amazon Prime, I love the gym, with that, you might not notice it right now, it's, it's been a tough season, man, it's been a tough season. True love and the love that I am referring to is, is, is the one found in the Bible. And we know that, that God loves us. The, the whole book is the greatest love story ever told. We know that in our minds, but often we don't live that way. Often we don't love that way. And the question we, we need to ask ourselves is, do I live in a way that, that I am commanded to, do I love in a way that I am commanded to, in a way that the Bible tells us so? So, what does biblical love look like? As Christians, we know that in our relationships, it, in the family and everywhere, it, it, they need to be marked by love. Husbands must love their wives. Wives must love their husbands. Parents and children, friends and co-workers must love one another. But, but how do we know what such love looks like? And to find that out, I'd like to invite you into a journey, into the most eloquent and profound words ever written on the subject of love. 1 Corinthians 13. Paul's famous chapter on love. At the time, Paul wrote his letter to the Corinthian church. They were emphasizing a good thing, spiritual gifts, though they were failing to look after the best. They were using their gifts apart from love. Paul makes the point that, their, that the use of their God-given gifts would amount to nothing if the Corinthians did not make love their priority. So let's read First uh, Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give, if I give away all I have and if I deliver my, my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of this is love. In verses 1 to 3, Paul shows the preeminence of love. That love is greater than all spiritual gifts because without love, gifts are empty. In verses 4 to 7, he shows the practice of love. How love is greater than all spiritual gifts because of its selfless characteristics. In verses 8 to 13, he shows the permanence of love. That love is greater than all spiritual gifts because it outlasts them all. And we're going to focus mainly on verses 4 to 7, where Paul describes how love acts. While in English, most of these words describe what love is, in Greek, the language in which Paul wrote his letter, these words are verbs. Love is not talk. Love is action. So, as... We hear these verses, I know that sometimes we may tend to apply them to others. Your spouse, your boyfriend, your uh, girlfriend, your kids, friends, co-workers. You know, there, there has been a lot of times that all I can think about is, man, I wish they were here so they could hear this. And then God is like, no, 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 no. Are you listening? So... As you accompany me on this journey, I'm going to ask that you put aside any person you may have in mind could benefit from hearing these verses and ask God to apply these verses solely to you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to be here today. As we hear your word today, Lord, I pray that you stir in our hearts the ways in which we are coming up short without knowing, Lord, that there is no condemnation in us. But Lord, give us the passion, give us the drive uh, to change and to become more like you and to make this sanctification process to becoming more like you easier on us by becoming obedient and by purifying our our souls through our spirits through your obedience in your name we pray amen in verses four to seven paul enumerates 15 characteristics to show how love looks to show how love acts or what it looks like 
in our everyday life. Jesus Christ, in his sacrificial death on the cross, is the epitome and embodiment of this kind of love. And nothing that anyone can do can come remotely close to the expression of love he showed us. And with that in mind, let's look at each characteristic. Love is patient. And you know, this often reminds me and confronts me in my failure in the moments that I should be patient. I love being patient. Until I have to be. When we don't need patience, we want it, we pray for patience and pray for patience and expect to miraculously become patient without knowing the reality that God is going to put us in a position where we need to be patient. It's when things start to irritate or frustrate us that we need patience, but by then, we don't want to be patient. So if you're patient, you're slow to anger. You endure personal wrongs without retaliating. You bear with each other's imperfections, faults, and differences. You give them time to change and room to make mistakes without coming down hard on them. Love is kind. Being kind is patience in action. A kind person is disposed to be helpful. They seek out needs and look for opportunities to meet those needs without repayment. They are tender and forgiven when wronged. The word suggests a person who is gentle, who has an ability to soothe her feelings, to calm an upset person, to help quietly in, in, in practical ways. The kind person shows kindness in response to harsh treatment. Though many times being kind is not going to be pleasant. As a matter of fact, it may feel like a blow to the head. And, you know, we, we equate being kind to, to weakness. When people give us harsh treatment, one of the first things we want to do is to retaliate. We may ask Jesus, do you mean to tell me? That I have to turn the other cheek after they embarrass me or treat me that way? Are you sure you saw what they did to me? But I can imagine the Lord saying, I, I saw what they did to you. But I have not called you to be like everyone else. Now quit your fussing and begin to live a life worthy of your call. Jesus said, and if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same thing. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He Himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Luke chapter 6, 33, 34, 35. This type of kindness has the power to motivate others toward positive change. Love is not macho. Love is not weak. Love is kind. 
Love is not jealous or envious. The word can mean to the word can mean to eagerly desire. The negativity of jealousy is related to coveting, greed, and selfishness. The jealous person wants what others have. They want things for for themselves. They are too selfish to applaud others' success. They have to have all the attention. The jealous person has a hard time recognizing others' abilities or and or contributions. They they want it all for themselves. James says that, that jealousy is often the, the source of quarrels and conflicts. James four two says, You desire but do not ha- you desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. The next characteristic, love does not brag and is not arrogant. Love does not brag or boast and and is not arrogant. These two are related. They both stem from selfishness and are the flip side of, of jealousy. A pastor said, jealousy is wanting what someone else has. Bragging is trying to make others jealous of what we have. Jealousy puts others down, and bragging builds us up. End quote. Bragging is, is an outward manifestation of, of pride. The bragger tries to impress others of his or hers great accomplishments in in order to make themselves look good. One all too familiar sentence of this might be, after all I've done for you and you treat me this way. But love isn't trying to build up me. Love is, is trying to build up the other person. And, you know, maybe because of our lack of identity in the Lord, because of, our, because of our insecurities or our lack of trust in Him, we want others to be impressed by us. But love is humble. A humble, loving person knows that everything they have is an undeserved gift from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 7 says, For who concedes you any superiority? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as, as if you did not? Love doesn't boast. 
but thankfully uses what God has given them to serve others. Love is not rude. Another uh, version says it is not inappropriate. And it is tough to not say inappropriate or rude things at times. I try to be nice as much as I can. But sometimes my mouth just doesn't cooperate. You know what I mean? I, I put my foot in my mouth many times, man, many times. But love does not offend. To offend somebody, it's unnecessary because it's avoidable. Love has good manners. It is courteous, polite, sensitive to the feelings of others, and always uses tact. The reason we are not courteous, of course, is because we are only thinking of ourselves. Love does not seek its own or insists in its own way. Love is is not selfish. It does not demand its rights. Alan Redpath, a very well-known British evangelist, said, The secret of every discord in Christian homes, communities, and churches is that we seek our own way and our own glory. End quote. Selfishness, sin, selfishness, might be the root problem of the human race. It is the antithesis of love. Because love is self-sacrificing. Elizabeth Elliot, a Christian author, was one speaking on this subject to an audience that included someone, some young children who were sitting right in front of her. As she spoke, she wondered how she could make this plain to them so that they could apply it. Later, she got a letter from one of those children, a six-year-old boy who said, I'm learning to lay down my life for my little sister. She has to take a nap in the afternoon. I don't have to take a nap in the afternoon. But she can't go to sleep unless I lay down beside her. So I lay down with my little sister. That boy is learning to love. If as Christians we would apply this verse as that little boy did, our homes would be free of conflict and an honor to Jesus Christ who... Did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark 10.45 Love is not easily angered or uh, irritable. Love does not have a, a hair trigger temper. Some people make everyone around them walk on, on eggshells. One little thing that don't go their way and boom! They use their temper to intimidate others and and punish others. Simply put, when you're angry, you're usually not loving. Love does not take into account love does not take into account a wrong suffer or is not resentful. 
This is sort of an accounting characteristic. It, it almost uses a numerical calculation. We sometimes take into account and keep tabs of the wrong we have experienced. And the way God uses it is by not imputing guilt into us. But instead, he, imp- he imputes the righteousness of Christ into account. No matter how many times we do wrong, God only needs to see Christ once for all our wrongs to be forgiven before and after. Romans chapter 4 verses 7 to 8 says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whom the Lord will never count sin. Love doesn't keep a tally of wrongs or bears a grudge until everyone is paid for. It doesn't try to gain the upper hand by reminding the other of past wrongs. Love forgives. One married man said to his friend, You know, every time my wife and I get into a conflict, she gets historical. (laughs) A friend said, don't you mean hysterical? No, I mean historical. She rehearses everything I've ever done wrong in the history of our marriage. (laughs) So that's, that's keeping tabs. That's not love. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Love does not rejoice with unrighteousness or wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. These qualities mirror each other. Love is never glad when others are wrong. Though to rejoice in the truth doesn't mean to rejoice only when people is right. To rejoice in the truth means to be glad about behavior in accordance with the truth of God's word. If someone you don't like falls into sin, you don't take pleasure over their misfortune. Because God is grieved over sin. If they repent, you rejoice. To, not, to allow, although love is kind and overlooks the faults of others, it does not compromise on the truth or takes a soft view of sin. To allow another person to go in sin, whether it is known or hidden, is not to seek their best. It is not love. Love will sensitively confront and correct precisely because he cares deeply and knows that sin destroys. Love rejoices with the truth. Love gets excited when he hears of spiritual victories. Love encourages, encourages by expressing joy over evidences of growth, even if they are small. The Apostle, the Apostle John wrote in 3 John 4, I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children walking in the truth. 
Love bears all things. Another translation says, love protects all things. Looking up the word bear, I saw that in Greek, the word means to cover. Love covers. Love protects. It covers. It protects with silence. Meaning that love doesn't broadcast the problems of others. Love doesn't run down others with jokes, sarcasms, put-downs. It does not gossip. Love defends the character of the other person as much as possible within the limits of truth. Love won't lie about weaknesses, but neither will it deliberately expose or emphasize them. Love protects. Love believes, believes all things. Another translation says, love always trusts. This does not mean gullibility. It does mean, but it does mean that love is not suspicious and doubting of the other person's characters and motives without good reason. Even, even if their actions offend you. If trust has been broken, then it needs to be earned again step by step. But love believes the other person is innocent until proven guilty, not guilty until proven innocent. If there is a problem, love doesn't jump immediately to blame the other person. Sometimes, however, you will get ripped off when you trust. I've been on both sides of the spectrum. I've experienced broken trust and I've broken, and I have broken someone's trust. I remember all throughout my life, I broke my, my family's trust over and over and over again, but they remained by my side and always believed things could get better just enough to not leave my side when I needed them. From the many things I, I won't, I will never forget is when my dad always used to tell me, Alan, I believe in you. No matter my hurts, my habits, my addictions, my hang-ups, and the plethora of mistakes under my belt, he always said, Alan, I believe in you. Love persists in trusting and believing. Love hopes all things. It is not pessimistic. It does not expect for things to always fail, but to succeed. Love refuses to take failure as final. It exudes godly optimism, even in the most dire of circumstances. It does not ignore the reality that problems, that problems everywhere exist, but it rests on the promises of God, that He is working all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And so love always hopes. And as with all these qualities, our, our source only com comes only from our Savior and His Word. Uh, Romans 15.4 says, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. 
Love endures all things. Webster's Dictionary defines the word endure as suffer something painful or difficult patiently. It has the idea of holding up under trial, of perseverance in spite of difficulties. It means that love hangs in there. It is not just a passive, stoic attitude, meaning that it is not just a person who can endure pain or hardship without showing their feelings or emotions, but it is a positive, triumphant spirit that sticks it out. And as Christians, I, you know, we, we struggle with this. We run into problems or disagreements in our relationships, grow tired of the effort and bail out. We find ourselves in a tough season or period of time and run away the other direction rather than enduring. I don't know what situation you might be in or will be. I am not minimizing the seriousness of any given circumstance. It's, it's not an easy task to work through problems at home with relationships, with an illness, with, with, with a tragedy, with, with family members, with addictions, or with the attacks and distractions of this world. But God's best is to resist and fight right through the storm, not to bail out for our own good. Matthew 10.22 says, You will be hated by all because of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Love endures all things. If I can have the, the worship team, uh, if I can have the worship team come up, please. This is how love acts. It is selfless, wholly directed to building the other person. But, of course, no one can live like that. No one can love like that all the time. Only God in His perfection is capable of such selfless love. Put He in verses 4 to 7 instead of love, and you have a description of Him. Of him. He is patient. He is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud or arrogant. He does not dishonor others or is rude. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs or resentful. He does not delight in evil or wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always endures. However, as imperfect as you and I are, we are still called to love one another. First John chapter four verses chapter four verse seven says, Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from God. And everyone who loves and everyone who loves has been fathered by God and knows God. Someone said, You know, love at first sight is easy to understand. It's when two people have been looking at each other for years that it becomes a miracle. But that miracle is the result of yielding to God and repeatedly confronting our selfishness and daily 
practicing biblical love with each other. And, you know, throughout life, we, we learn some interesting things. It's not that our troubles are so different from what people in the faith, from what people who are not in the faith experience. Life is life. God's grace falls on the just and unjust alike. Our pains and struggles and struggles are quite similar. But it is our response that's different. It is the way in which we live. It is the way in which we love that this broken world and everyone in it can use as a tangible evidence for the one who we represent and for the one who resides in us. Are you living? Are you loving in a manner worthy of your call? Someone said that if we discover we only had five minutes left to say all we wanted to say, every telephone would be occupied by people calling other people to tell them how much they love them. Selfless love is of the utmost importance. The next chapter in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter, four, uh, 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 chapter 14, begins with the words, Let love be your highest goal, without neglecting the other spiritual gifts, but let love be your highest goal. Let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, thank you again for allowing us to be here today. I pray, Father, that uh, you speak to our hearts. I pray that we may go back to, to the Scriptures, Lord, and see what you really want to tell us, uh, guide us through this life, guide us through the difficulties of this world. Uh, you will make things, you will make all things new. But in the meantime, Lord, let us have the courage, let us have the strength to show this world, to show them you through our lives and, and through this sanctification process until we reach glorification. In your name we pray. Amen.